So James chapter one, verse one. <clears throat> James one, verse one. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that gives to all men liberally and abrades not, and it shall be given him. And then uh, the book of Proverbs and chapter one. James, of course, was a, an Israelite, a Hebrew. He knew, I'm sure, his Old Testament well. And there are many um, parallels between the book of James and the book of Proverbs. So let's just read a few verses from Proverbs. Proverbs chapter one. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice and judgment and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. To understand the proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, Hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. And we'll just look to God to add his blessing upon the reading of his word. I want to think with you uh, this evening about three uh, hallmarks of wisdom, three hallmarks of wisdom, or if you like, what wisdom looks like uh, when we see uh, a wise person. I want to think about the fear of God. So wisdom is marked by the fear of God. It's marked by a teachable spirit. And it's marked by discernment. Now, those are by no means three. Uh, those are primary things for wisdom, but they are not the only things. And a study of the book of Proverbs would, uh, well, I suppose I'd have to say it would uh, reveal more things that would be hallmarks of a wise person than I am wise enough uh, to really to really uh, list for you. But those are three things that are very important in the book of Proverbs, as it is that we look at somebody who's marked by wisdom, the fear of God, having a teachable spirit and discernment. Now I'm going to explain what these things mean as, as we go on but as we think about the fear of God we're thinking about the loving reverence for God's preeminence loving reverence for God's preeminence as we think about 
the teachable spirit, we're thinking about the need to have a humble interest in God's perspective, a humble interest in God's perspective. And then finally, as we think about discernment, uh, we're thinking about having an informed judgment based on God's principles, an informed judgment based on God's principles. So the fear of God, a teachable spirit and discernment, these are three hallmarks of a wise person. Now you might be thinking, well, Lloyd, really what we wanted this evening was something fairly light. Um, it's the end of the year. It's been a tough year, uh, spiritually perhaps, emotionally, um, practically. And you might think, well, it would be nice just to have something very, very light this evening. But, you know, as we come to the end of the year, uh, you can see it uh, on journalistic websites. You can see it in the media. People are reflecting on the past year. They're thinking about what's happened in 2020. And um, if, if the man on the street is pondering and reflecting, then the man in the chapel or the church, I don't mean the building now, I mean you and I, we are the church. We should be pondering and reflecting too. And um, as keen as we are to move on from this whole episode, which we have been encountering, uh, we're all keen to move on. Uh, I'm sure we're also open to the idea that we should also be learning from this episode. And the recent setbacks which we've had here have just, for me anyway, just been another little nudge from the Spirit of God to ask myself, have I responded rightly to these circumstances? Have I learned what God wanted to teach me in these circumstances? And that's why I read James chapter 1. Turn back in your Bibles to James chapter one and look back at those verses again with me. James is writing to people who are, they're not on a, they're not on a sprint. They're not even on a marathon. They're on, on an endurance race. James, a servant of God, is he's a servant. He, he's not, um, he's not sitting in a cozy office here writing this, this letter. James, uh, the brother of the Lord Jesus, as we understand him to be the person who wrote this letter, he, he understands the difficulties to the people he's writing. And when you read James, it's quite a caustic letter. That's a, maybe a bit of a technical word. It, he, he, he's, quite, um, he's quite demanding of his flock, the, 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 the believers that he is writing to. You might think, well, James, you know, these people are going through hard times. You, you need, to, need to give them a little, uh, you know, something that's, that's fairly easy to digest. But he, he, really, he really demands more of them. And he says in verse, uh, verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations or different trials or testings. These aren't temptations now to sin. These are temptations that... Uh, are experiences that we uh, encounter as believers that test our faith. He says, count it all joy. He's been more demanding of them. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience, knowing this, actually, this, this endurance race that you're engaged in, 
this is uh, actually going to uh, pr produce Christian character. It, it's a good thing. But let patience or let endurance have her perfect work. Let, let, it, let it produce what it will produce in your life if, if you let it. Don't, don't give up. Don't, don't take your, your foot off the pedal now. Don't, don't slack now. Don't, don't quit now. No, let, let endurance have her perfect work. Let, let, it, let it run its course. Stay in the race that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. You see, it seems that these experiences that we have encountered and we've been largely untouched by them in their particular forms. It is all the peripheral stuff that we've encountered. Uh, these, these, these trials and temptations, they are there because we're not complete yet. We're works in progress. And you and I know that. We know that there's still a few edges to knock off. There's still a few airs and graces to be implemented in our souls by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God. Sarah and I actually watched, um, I don't know whether you saw it on Amazon, I think it was aired on Amazon this year, we actually watched some of the episodes of The World's Toughest Race. Um, we, we stopped watching them because uh, in, in race-like conditions, people's tempers tend to flail a little bit. And so it became a little bit disappointing. But watching some of the early episodes, it's incredible, jaw-dropping to see what people will do for $100,000. Just the incredible feats that these people were putting themselves through. This is not a, the, the, the 2019 one that was aired in 2020 was uh, filmed in, in Fiji. And I mean, it is just beggar's belief to watch these people on this endurance race and see what they will do. Jaw dropping. But we have an eternal weight of glory ahead of us. And so this evening, what I want us to do, far from putting our feet up spiritually at the end of the year, I want to take us up a mountain pass with some serious inclines of, of truth. And I want to, to challenge us. And I think by the end of the evening, we will be looking down on, on the hill that is wisdom. And we'll be thinking about the fear of God and the need for a teachable spirit and the need for discernment. And we'll look down on ahead into the, the, the year that is to come. And we'll see that if we allow God to teach us what we need to be taught, and if we allow God to um, educate us where we need to be, we need to grow. There, there is a there is a wonderful, there was a wonderful blessing. Let let faith work endurance and endurance have her perfect work. It was a wonderful blessing in being associated with the sufferings of Christ, um, in, in being willing to grow and to go forward. So James says uh, in verse five, if any of you lack wisdom, uh, let him ask of God. And I want to think with you this evening about three hallmarks of wisdom um, as uh, set out in the book of Proverbs. First of all, the, the fear of God. This, uh, I've said here, this, this is about loving reverence for God's preeminence, loving reverence for God's 
preeminence. Look at verse seven now, we're back in the book of Proverbs in chapter one. Verse seven says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And it's actually the book of Psalms, if you read uh, your, your Bible in its order of books, uh, it's actually the book of Psalms that first uh, speaks of uh, the fear of God being the, uh, the beginning or the chief, the, the, the chief thing about wisdom. Um, I should probably have, have said, what is wisdom before we get into uh, the fear of God? What, what is wisdom? Well, I would say this, that wisdom is the ability to do the right thing in the right way at the right time. The ability to do the right thing in the right way at the right time. And so you can think of all those things that you have done in your life, those things you've said, those actions you've taken, and you've thought about, you can think about those times in your life where you just said the right thing at the right time uh, in, in the right way, and you nailed it. And you were a real blessing uh, to, you know, a passerby or maybe a fellow believer uh, just when you do the right thing in the right way at the right term, time. But in biblical terms, we should probably say it's doing God's will, the right thing, God's way, the right way, in God's time, the right time. So as you look at the, the scriptures, wisdom isn't just about uh, life skills, although it is about that, but it's about doing God's will, God's way in God's time. And as much as we might think about those moments where God blessed us with wisdom, we can also think about times when we might have done the right thing, but we did it in the wrong way, or we might have even done the right thing and on about the right way, but the timing was just, you know, we should have waited or we should have been, we, we should have been sooner. And uh, the man who is being educated in the book of Proverbs it certainly starts off anyway, like a conversation between two people, probably an older man and a younger, uh, a younger man, perhaps a father and son. Um, the father is trying to educate his, his son about the need to do the right thing in the right way at the right time. So that's what wisdom is in scriptural terms. And so when we think about the fear of God, Verse seven, the fear of the Lord is a beginning of knowledge. And as I said, this is uh, sometimes uh, described as being the fear, the fear of God being the beginning of wisdom in Psalm uh, 111. But also if you turn to Proverbs 9, Proverbs 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. So it seems like to do to do the right thing at the right time in the right way. It seems. It's it is almost definitely the case that in order to to do those things, the chiefest thing is that we fear God. Loving reverence for God's preeminence, and it shows up in my thoughts uh, first and foremost, and then obviously it shows up in my behavior. You might think, well, this is very strange. 
how would the fear of God, how would fearing God allow me to do the right thing in the right way at the right time? And because we don't really understand what the fear of God is, and we, if we think we understand it, we often have a kind of a contorted idea about the fear of God. What then happens is the idea of the fear of God being connected with life skills and, 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 and being a Christ-like person, it, it just becomes so disconnected from our everyday life. And the fear of God is just a sort of mysterious concept that, that sits on the shelf in our Christian lives. And yet, apparently, as this father talks to his son here in the beginning of the book of Proverbs, chapter one, he's saying that this is the chiefest thing. So then if we don't get, get to grips with this, we're never going to do the right thing in the right way at the right time. And so as we think back in 2020, as we think forward into 2021, are we going to be marked by the fear of God? Many Christians, I think, struggle in their life because they actually don't fear God. And perhaps we should make it more personal. We should say uh, many of our spiritual struggles can be traced back to a lack of a loving reverence for God. Now, what does the fear of God really mean? Well, God is, is a consuming fire so he is something to be feared in that sense, in that sense of terror. But God is also a loving father. And when we forget either of these things, we soon get ourselves tied up in spiritual knots. Now, the thing about the fear of God is, is this, that it's likely that when we got saved, we did fear God. There probably was a bit of a terror about the fact that we stood underneath a righteous God who was ready to pour his wrath out upon us because rightly so because of our sins deserving it but on the other hand we looked at the cross at Calvary and we saw that he was reaching out to us in love and offering us the forgiveness of sins and so we run towards the cross and we cling to it and we claim it as our own and by the grace of God we are saved but what the, the writer of the Proverbs is saying here and what James is encouraging his readers to, to ask God for uh, so far as wisdom is concerned is a liberal dosing of the fear of God. The New Testament counterpart to this is godliness. So whenever you re read about godliness uh, in the New Testament, you're thinking about the fear of God. Now, here we are on this first incline up our mountain pass. Looking forward to the, 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 the peak at the end of our ascent, where we look down at somebody, somebody's life who's characterized by wisdom. Not a bed of roses, this is an endurance race. But the, the chief thing the proverb writer says is the fear of God. The fear of the Lord is the chief thing, the beginning. So, why then is the fear of God such a redundant principle in my life what why is it so useless to me well i think it's because that we have misunderstood the fear of god we dispense with it as a life principle because we have a wrong view about god fearing let me put it like this to you god is not out to get us 
but he is out to perfect us. God is not out to get us, but he is out to perfect us. So some of you might have this idea of God, and you obviously didn't have this idea when you were saved, because repentance taught you a different, a different version of God, taught you a biblical view of God. But the problem is, as Christians, is we still have this flesh principle working within us that, that, that forms lies in our minds. And so we often think that God is out to get us. We think that bad things happen because God wants to punish us. But that's not that's not true. Bad things happen because we live in a fallen world. And God in love sees fit to permit certain circumstances, which from the perspective of time look bad. But from the perspective of eternity, all things work together for good to those who love God. So God is not out to get us, but he is out to perfect us. And just in the same way that a father disciplines a child, and that can be difficult sometimes, so what God may allow for our improvement may be difficult. God is not out to get us, but he is out to perfect us. And this is the chief thing if we want wisdom. If we want the ability to go forward in our Christian lives with that balancing, controlling, regulating force within us of wisdom that allows us to, to, to endure this endurance race that we're on, that James says we can liberally enjoy if we ask God of it, we must start here with the fear of God. This basically means rethinking your whole Christian life. It basically means rethinking everything about the way that you look at life, turning everything upside down and putting God and the fear of God at the foundation and then working up from there. And what you'll probably find as you do that, what I will probably find as I do that, is that at the foundation, at the chief point in all my decision-making, in all my thinking, there is probably at least two other types of fear that are built in to the way I think. The first one is the fear of man. That's probably the most common one. The second one is the fear of circumstance. The first one is in some ways a rational fear because, um, because we can be hurt by, by men. You might've been bullied, I don't know, as a, as a, as a young child. And you know the, the rational fear of being put in danger. And so it can be that our lives become configured, our minds become configured based on the fear of man. And what we need to do is we need to pull that from underneath our whole way of thinking and install the fear of God instead. This, this loving reverence of God that realizes that he's a consuming fire, but also that he's a loving father. And we run to him realizing that whatever he may permit in our lives for our better betterment. It is better to be near to God than it is to run away from him. God is not out to get us, but he is out to perfect us. So you think back over the course of 2020, who have we looked at who's a great exemplar of this? Nehemiah, Esther, Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego. These are all wonderful examples of, of men and women who had the fear of God. Sometimes they had the fear of men. You think back, 
Think about Esther, fearing men, fearing her own life. Uh, but she overcame that fear because she feared God more than she feared men. And we need to be in the business daily of turning our lives and our thoughts upside down and developing a new habit. And I speak for myself, Ian, because I know where my sin nature tends to ignore the fact that, that I should be fearing God. Uh, and, and I need to build into my thinking and to my experience a fear of God that draws me to him, not running away from him. We've had these model exemplars in 2020. And yet, sadly, although we've had these exemplars, it's just possible that because our hearts fear men more than they fear God, even after coming across all these exemplars, but the Spirit of God has been saying to each one of us, you shouldn't be fearing men, you should be fearing God. It's just possible that our own understanding, remember Proverbs 3, 5, 6, trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not on, lean not on thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, for he shall direct thy paths. But our own understanding, what does it say? In the face of God's wisdom, it says, I think I'll fear man. And so we run back to our little, uh, our little comfort zones. We avoid things. We evade things. We try to escape things because we, we fear man. Or maybe we fear circumstances. This is the second thing which you may find as you, uh, as you uh, take the, 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 the polish and the duster of, of wisdom in, at your life. You may find that it's a fear of circumstance. Now, sometimes that can be rational. Sometimes it can be irrational. Sometimes there is a genuine fear. It's not nice to uh, be physically uh, weakened, physically ill. And, and these, are, these are genuine things that, that, uh, that we may encounter, but sometimes it can be rational. Sometimes our minds run away with ourselves. And we start imagining things that really we ought not to. And so it can be that our decision-making and our, and our actions and our words are driven by fear of circumstance, whether rational or rational. And then are we living with that liberal deposit of wisdom that God promises to give us in the book of James? No, we're acting more in the way of folly. And all our decisions, all our thinking is, is just driven by this folly of the fear of man and the fear of circumstance. And so if tonight that's where you are, if, if that's where you feel you might be, allow the Spirit of God just gently challenge you, challenge me, that that needs to be demoted. We need to clear out the fear of man, we need to clear out the fear of circumstance. And you know, these things need to be done on a daily basis. Don't worry if today you've had a really bad day <laughs> where it pertains to these things are concerned. Tomorrow might be a better day. We have good days and we have bad days. It's an endurance race. But we do need to daily clear these things out. I, I need to. I need to fear God because that is the best thing. If only Adam and Eve had feared God in the Garden of Eden, just imagine. If they'd really, really taken on board what, what God had said in the day that thou should eat of this 
thou shalt surely die. That was a loving thing for God to, to place there as a fear for them. And they should have run towards the tree of life, not lent onto their own understanding. For in fearing, in, in, in fearing more uh, that their, their, their the loss, the loss of autonomy, the loss, loss of control and power that they they were were deceived into thinking that they uh, were missing out on. They ended up uh, bringing the whole of humanity into sin. Think about your most recent struggles as, as a believer with outright sin, but also with lukewarmness. And as we move forward in our lives, the proverb writer says it is the chief thing we must do in order to enjoy the blessing of the wisdom uh, uh, of, of, of God uh, is the fear of God. Not this cowering terror, but a reverent, loving, uh, a loving reverence of our God. So one of the first hallmarks then of a, of a believer uh, that is uh, walking in wisdom and is enjoying the wisdom of God that will help him or her to run this endurance race, one of the first hallmarks is the fear of God. The second hallmark that I want to think with you this evening about is the a teachable spirit. This is not now loving reverence of, uh, of God, but it is a humble interest in God's perspective. And you can see how these things overlap. You can see how these things overlap. The chiefest thing, the foundation stone, if you like, is the fear of God. But on top of that, we build a teachable spirit. Look at verse five. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. Turn to chapter 13 a moment. Proverbs chapter 13. These are just two uh, verses. We'll mention others uh, that speak about the teachable spirit. Chapter 13, verse 1. A wise son hears his father's instructions, but a scorner hears not rebuke. Now, it's a bit of a chicken and egg, really, the teachable spirit thing. Because if you, if, if you don't have a teachable spirit, then you can't be taught that you need a teachable spirit. Uh, you see what I mean? And, and so sometimes we can get to a place in our Christian life where we are growing uh, tediously slow just because we won't humble ourselves and actually take on board what scripture is saying to our conscience. I would say this, if you, if you haven't had someone admonish you recently, you might want to go out of your way to ask for admonishment. Admonishment is, is, is really instruction. Um, somebody drawing alongside you and, and uh, getting to know you and in speaking the truth in love. Admonishment isn't um, somebody drawing alongside you and just sort of criticizing you. It's speaking the truth in love. And, and if you haven't had a bit of that recently, you might want to go out of your way to ask for it. And if you do that, well, then you're walking in wisdom. If you do that, there is a, more, a better chance that you will be able to do God's will in God's way in God's time. But if you don't open yourself up to instruction, 
And if you don't allow yourself to be taught, I don't mean I don't mean just turning up at meetings and listening to meetings. I mean really opening your heart to change. Then uh, you're not going to grow. And sometimes you know you know the times in your life we have just grown so tediously slow because we weren't open to instruction. Again, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with your, all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Now, it's true, of course, that um, church practice on this has been through a series of generational twists and turns. There was a time when respected men and women would draw alongside you and would get the, uh, the right thing to say, but it wouldn't be said in the right way and the timing wouldn't be very good. And so there was a real need um, in that generation to be able to do what we shall think about in a moment, which is discernment. There's a real need to detach from something that's been said to you in a, in a rather unchristian way, uh, what has been said from the way it's been said. So Nathan and Rebecca and Luke could all, I'm sure, give you an example of where uh, Lloyd didn't really uh, say what needed to be said in the right way at the right time, even if it was the right thing to say. And there certainly was a generation where that was their style. And so the worst thing we could do is to flip flop the other way and never give admonishment and never instruct one another and never edify one another, never practice the principle that iron sharpens iron, also a proverb. No, actually the wise man will hear and will increase in learning. A wise son, a wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scorner, a scorner hears not rebuke. You see what a scorner will do? Not interested. Not interested in being admonished, not interested in being instructed. Look at, uh, I'll read it to you, you don't have to turn, but you, I'll uh, read it to you anyway. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17. He is in the way of life that keeps instruction, but he that refuses reproof, reproof errs. Uh, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20. Hear counsel and receive, in, receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. You know, it's really hard to navigate this mountain pass that we're on this evening if it is that you don't have a humble teachable spirit and when we get into those places as christians where we just don't want to learn then we just lean into our own understanding and folly ensues you know bad things will then happen because we we are not doing god's will in god's time in god's way and then we can get caught in a cycle but all we need to do to break out of that cycle is to humble ourselves. Did we fear God when we got saved? Yes, I think we did. Did we have a teachable spirit when we got saved? Almost certainly we did. We did not lean on our understanding when we got saved. No, we trusted in the Lord with all our hearts because we knew that Christ 
dying for us on Calvary was the means of our rescue and our escape. But what we can try to do in our Christian lives is we can sometimes try to escape in other ways. We might escape. We, we all have our escape mechanisms, don't we? And, um, you know, there's, there's definitely something to be said for, for re relaxation, um, for um, coming apart for a while. There's definitely something to be said for that. Quality time. And I think we've enjoyed some of those things in 2020. So you know, I know we have as a family um, enjoyed some quality time, just, just being very low key, really. Simple things. But it can go the other way and we can end up always trying to escape. Binging on, on TV, binging on social media, binging on self-pity. That's an interesting one. That can be our way of escape sometimes. It's a very strange, conflicted way of escape. Sometimes that's the way, the place we go. Or we can binge on projects. Or we can binge on retail therapy. I'm not saying that any of these things is immoral or wrong, but it's the extremes that we go to. Matt, Matt reminded us recently, well, it was earlier this year, really. He reminded us of the infiniteness, infiniteness, the infiniteness of God the infiniteness of God. A teachable spirit says that I am finite, God is infinite, and I have so much to learn. We saw this in our study of Daniel, didn't we? That, that God knows the end from the beginning. And he has got an awful lot of things to teach us on this endurance race that we are on. You can't find the answers to the current problems by composing a carefully crafted search query on Google. For all our sophistication, we are indebted to God for instruction in, in righteousness, instruction in the way of righteousness. Scientists don't have all the answers, politicians don't have the answers, and you and I don't have all the answers too. We must become teachable spirits. And on our best days, we are. And if you're having a bad week, don't let this get you down. We're climbing an ascent here. We get, we're gonna get to the top. We're all gonna get there because we're all, we're all listening to the spirit of God. And as we look down on the, on the, on the veil of, of, of the righteous, as it were, and um, what wisdom can do for our mentality, for our, spirituality and, and for our well-being we know that this is what we need to do we need to become teachable spirits humbling ourselves on a daily basis something we need to do so that is uh the teachable spirit a humble interest in god's perspective finally i want to think about discernment discernment this is what i've said is informed judgment based on god's principles look back at proverbs chapter one and uh, look at verse four proverbs chapter one verse four sorry no verse two verse two to know wisdom and instruction to perceive to perceive the words of understanding to perceive the words of understanding um 
verse four again, to give uh, subtlety or prudence, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Now, haven't we needed this in 2020? The ability to discern correctly. Informed judgment based on God's principles. That word in verse two, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, is a very primitive root in, in Hebrew. It, it literally means to separate mentally, to separate mentally or distinguish. And there are 83 references to it in the wisdom literature in your Bible, 34 in Proverbs. And this, again, is what Eve failed to do in the Garden of Eden. She failed to properly separate mentally between the apparent attractiveness of exercising her own will versus the attractiveness of exercising love towards God. She didn't do the math properly. She didn't separate those two things in her mind. She may have conflated things, thinking she could have the best of both worlds. And she certainly failed to weigh the force of God's truth, which he had revealed to her, versus Satan's lies. She failed to weigh the force of those things. The ability to separate mentally is something that you may not be born with the ability to do all that well. You may be predisposed mentally to conflate things, to flatten everything onto each other, and you may struggle. Uh, this is very day-to-day, down-to-earth, low-key stuff, really. You may struggle to park things in your mind in order to be able to balance things. And sometimes you may find yourself mentally in a state of just complete disarray because everything seems to have sort of collapsed on, uh, on, on in on itself and you just can't make a decision. You're trapped in this sort of vicious cycle of thought which goes nowhere. To know wisdom instruction, to perceive the words of being able to separate mentally. See, the Bible is so practical. It so speaks to our everyday. God is interested in, in us becoming mentally stronger because that will help us in our lives. Now, this business is discernment, informed judgment based on God's principles. It starts very young with sort of trial and error approach in the physical world. So, for example, you see a young child they don't realize the fun of jumping from a great height needs to be weighed with the fact of gravity, right? They don't, they, don't, they don't have that perception and that ability to separately, to, to sort of separate those two things mentally, the fun of jumping and gravity. And so it's trial and error in the physical world and they learn and they accumulate their understanding. But this understanding, eventually they, they understand, yeah, well, the fun of jumping needs to be weighed with this over here, and they, they, they understand that that's probably a load of fun, but also quite dangerous. And, and they eventually balance things, and they uh, arrive at, at a at a uh, an informed judgment. And it's much the same in the moral world, except that we start with uh, something that or, that very early on evidences itself. And it's called the conscience. 
And so you'll see a young child pushing at boundaries, knowing, don't, don't be deceived, young children, depending on their sort of mental age, they know very, very early on that they're pushing at boundaries. And they're, they are, they're doing what Eve did in the Garden of Eden. They're just sort of seeing whether they can engage in this business of the knowledge of good and evil. And your job as a parent, if you're a parent, is to show them that they actually don't have a, a great grasp of that and that their attempts to cross those boundaries needs to be curbed uh, with, with, uh, with the word of God. How we've needed this this year, the amount of balancing that we've had to do. I don't know, I find it quite exhausting sometimes. And as Christians, it's really important that we, we live in that tension. It's very easy to find a camp and just to sit in it and say, well, you know, I believe this, this is what is happening. And, um, and usually the camps are either extremes. So, so this person here in Proverbs wants to be able to be perceptive and to weigh things up and separate things mentally and, and then do a, a, a balancing act. But what tends to happen in the world is that people just jump to conclusions. They, they arrive at extreme opinions. And so somebody over here will say that this is happening. And because I don't agree with that person over here, I'm going to go all the way over there. And I'm going to state this complete opposite opinion. <laughs> and sometimes people are, are at the complete opposite end of the spectrum on an issue of balance, just because somebody else is in their mind at the wrong end of the spectrum. And what we're expected to do as Christians is be far more center ground in our, in, our, in our mentality. To be able to separate these things mentally and to perceive with the principles of the word of God at our discretion, what is the right thing to do in a given situation? I wanna just close with, with two little um, lines of thought here. Discernment, first of all, amidst confusion. Discernment amidst confusion. In contrast to the dogmatism of the voices around us, the discerning Christian must see the big picture. So he'll take counsel from many sources. If you're making notes, that's Proverbs 15, verse 22. The discerning Christian will listen to all sides of an issue. That's Proverbs 18, verse 17. This is all really classic stuff. This is, this is the kind of stuff that you would get if you sat down uh, with, let's say, a marriage counsellor. Proverbs 18, 17 is exactly what they would be looking to, to, to base their, their counselling on. The word of God is, is so down to earth. The discerning believer acts upon a redeemed conscience. Now that's really New Testament territory. That's uh, Romans 14 verse 23. He that doubts is damned if he eats because he eats not of faith for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. It's the idea that if we have a, an awkward conscience about something, then we mustn't do it because that would be sinful. And we all have different kind, kind of balancing acts to play there because all our, our consciences are different in a different places. We're all different people. So we have to live in this tension. 
think of the beach photos early this year with those telephoto lenses of people sitting virtually on top of one another. It's a classic example of the kind of discernment that you and I need as Christians in the real world. Because what judgmental pride says once you see those photos is, well, that's shocking. But then you realize that you've been misinformed. And so actually what we need to do as Christians is we need to have a far more nuanced, far more calculated view of everything that's going on around us. And if you feel overwhelmed by that as a young person, then lean on older people to help you. Don't, don't try to do all this balancing in your own mind, because that in itself can be exhausting. Lean on other people. Let them make the decisions. Let leaders lead you. And, and don't worry about the practical decisions about daily, daily life in that, in that respect. But I believe if we are uh, growing in wisdom and we're willing to run this race of endurance, that discernment immense confusion can be our portion. But then finally, we need discernment amidst aggression. One of the things we've seen in, in 2020 is that the media has become full of toxic criticism and bitter vitriol, bitter, um, hateful language, unnecessarily hateful language. And it just doesn't do well for this spirit of bitterness to, to to seep into our hearts and spill over into the church. And I, I don't say that it has in our assembly, but if, if it has in your heart at all, if you've become bitter about other believers, well, the discerning thing to do is, well, say maybe, to leave, leave that with God. Don't, don't get yourself caught up in this toxic, media frenzy world that we live in we need to work things out in a spirit of love tenderness and humility and you might be looking at me and thinking well lord you didn't do that very well well i'm no better than anyone else but it doesn't do well does it as christians and again i don't say this because i think it's been happening say it because it can happen but it doesn't do well for us to be biting and devouring one another as james says later on his on in his lesson proverbs 11 verse 1 says this a false balance is an abomination to the lord but a just weight is his delight reminds us that what god wants in the christian is he wants a just balance pride paves the way for disgrace humility paves the way for wisdom that's why we need, first of all, the foundation stone, which is the fear of God, upon which we build a teachable spirit, upon which we then have the apparatus to discern properly. We've seen this played out again and again, time and again through 2020. And it'll continue as the government make decisions and, and they ebb and flow, vaccines emerge, and we see the gradual aftermath of this whole episode. And whilst a teachable spirit and humility doesn't make good TV or headlines or press conferences, it's the path we must walk. And it's it's okay, you know, if if you make if you make if you go into a camp of a viewpoint, it's okay to leave that camp and go somewhere else. Change your view because you're constantly balancing things out. 
And it's okay to, to change your mind. Um, one of the strange things over this year was how you had one American stating that the US has a, a massive problem with racism. And then another American, a black African-American insisting there is no such thing. You see how polarized and how, how difficult and how confusing it is. How, how confusing the world we live in amidst all this aggression, you and I as believers, we need to be marked by discernment. So then three things that characterized uh, uh, wisdom in a believer, the fear of God, a teachable spirit and discernment. And now we're on the top of the mountain. We're looking down, not looking up this sort of insurmountable list of things that you and I should be characterized by. I know we're not always characterized by them. <clears throat> Maybe you've not had a good day, but now come with us all to the top of this mountain. Look forward into 2021 and ask God graciously to, to allow you to grow in these things day by day, bit by bit. Me too, us together as an assembly, moving forward, growing in wisdom, enjoying that liberal deposit, which is given to those that ask it of God to endure this endurance race, which we're all on. May God bless his word. I trust you have found this stretching, but also encouraging and uh, warming as we go into 2021, Lord willing, together. Shall we just close with, with prayer?